Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Dr. Fred Craddock, a professor at Candler School of Theology in Atlanta, just needed some peanut butter. He stopped at a store where he was a little unfamiliar with the layout, and he could not find the peanut butter. He went up and down aisles, and he just didn't see it. Finally, he comes around the corner, and he sees a woman with a basket full of groceries. And so he thought, why not? He asked her, do you know where I can find the peanut butter? Well, she didn't take it as a question for peanut butter. As a matter of fact, she got offended, and he was taken aback by it. She accused him of, quote, hitting on her, end quote. She walked off in a huff, and he reports that he stood there just stunned, not quite sure what had just happened. Eventually, he gathered his thoughts and walked around a little bit more, and finally he found a store employee who told him which aisle the peanut butter would be on. And the employee told him to make sure you look at the bottom of the shelf toward the end of that aisle. And so he did. He gets down that side of the aisle. He looks. There's the peanut butter. He reaches down to pick it up. And as he does, he turns as he's standing back up again. And just at that point, the woman walks around the corner with her shopping cart. She sees him and recognizes him and and is kind of startled herself and says, Wow, you really were just looking for peanut butter. You never can be too careful. To which Dr. Craddock replied, Oh yes, sometimes you actually can be too careful. It's kind of a humorous story, but it's illustrative of something we're talking about today. Sharing compassion, caring for other people, and doing so without being too careful. In this short series, we are leading up to Lent by looking at the story of Noah and the ark and by taking a peek at other stories that help us to see some of the traits, the gifts and graces, if you will, that we should take with us on our own personal metaphorical arcs. Just as what happened to Noah, there will be storms of life that come at us. How well will we be prepared? Will we pay attention to the warning signs, unlike the people who literally missed the boat? Now, so far in this series, we've talked about the need for preparation, Last time we talked about the need to train for the tough times, like an athlete pumps iron to get ready for competition or as a runner builds up their stamina. We have to bolster our spiritual strength. And we talked about the way to do that was to be committed to Christ, committed to prayer, and committed to Bible study to endure challenges. 
And you might remember we were joined by Reverend Dr. Richard Randolph, a United Methodist pastor who has served many years in the local church and who's now Director of Stewardship for the Nebraska United Methodist Foundation. He'll join us again for a brief discussion about the topic for this episode. You see, we're going to talk about the importance of packing compassion along with us for this journey. Let's get going with a story about Jesus showing compassion for someone without being too careful. It's a story found in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing against you, yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. Jesus is on his way to see a sick girl. And as they had come to do, people followed him very closely. People were pushing in on him from all sides to catch a glimpse of this amazing healer from Nazareth. As Jesus walks, a woman desperate for healing from years and years of hemorrhaging works her way towards Jesus. She thinks if she can just touch him, just get close enough to touch his clothes, she finally can be healed. And that's what happens. Little side note, there's an amazing piece of art in Magdala, uh, which is in the Holy Land, in a church sitting above ruins dedicated to women in Scripture, and it depicts this moment. When you walk down the stone stairs, you immediately see this huge mural of feet, (laughs) big toes in sandals. And you can see a single finger amid all of those lower legs touching the bottom of a robe, a cloak. And it's, it's got a little star at the end of it where the finger touches that piece of fabric. And it depicts Jesus's power coming just a little bit out of him into the person who's touching him. I think it's one of the most powerful images of a healing that I've ever seen. And I think it's just because you don't think of it that way. But that's probably exactly how it happened. Anyway, the woman touches Jesus and then she tries to sneak away because she doesn't want to get in trouble. But Jesus calls her back. He actually makes kind of a public spectacle of it. Now, she must have felt like a kid getting called into the principal's office. She had to be frightened, but Jesus shows her compassion. In fact, he gives her encouragement. All right there for everyone to see and hear. Jesus shows us in that instant that you can't be too compassionate, that you can't be too careful. Reverend James Moore, who's 
uh, who wrote the book, rather, that I'm basing this series on, identified three kinds of healing that can happen when someone shows compassion for another. We're going to go through them very quickly. First, compassion can provide physical healing. Now, we all aren't doctors, but many of us can be healers. In his book, Reverend Moore writes about a story from Canada. There was a doctor who had to retire because of a debilitating physical limitation. He couldn't be on his feet very often anymore, but he could still move around. He retired to a small rural village in Canada. I believe it was the eastern part of Canada. There was no doctor living in that particular town, so word got out rather quickly that a doctor had moved in. And residents quickly started asking him questions, and he readily responded with advice. A local boy became kind of a pseudo-nurse who traveled with him, and the young man became a great companion. He was really good with the patients. The doctor liked him. The people liked him. He was just a good assistant. One day, a girl just a block or two away from where the doctor lived took ill and really started struggling to breathe. The doctor went to her and spent a significant amount of time with her that day, and finally, he came to the conclusion that she likely had pneumonia, and unfortunately, it didn't seem like there was going to be any kind of treatment available. He was saddened at having to tell the parents that their child likely was going to die, and the old doctor, by the end of that afternoon, was worn out. He apologized to the family, and then he went a couple of blocks back to his house to take a nap. He needed to sleep. Well, while that doctor slept, and it was probably just a short nap, that young man took the girl's hand, that assistant that had been traveling with the doctor. And when the doctor came back an hour or two later, he expected the girl to be dead. Instead, he found the young man sitting there, holding her hand, encouraging her to breathe, just giving her instruction walking her through it, talking her through those breaths. The girl's mother said that the young man had never left her side and had been coaching her about breaths ever since the doctor left. And something amazing had happened. With that encouragement and coaching, her breathing started to normalize. Now, she was not well yet, not by a long stretch, but the doctor realized pretty soon that she was going to be okay. And he was happy to tell the family that she likely was going to survive. It's a great story, but I want you to notice something about that. It wasn't the doctor who healed her. It was the young man who helped her heal by showing compassion, by caring for her, by not leaving her side. It took that encouragement to help her get past the breathing problem. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying ignore medicine. Not even close. I believe doctors are here because God gave us and continues to give us more and more knowledge, more and more procedures, uh, just things that we learn all the time that help extend our lives and make our lives better. I believe God provides that for us through the doctors, nurses, and other professionals, and yes, even people like this young man. But remember that healing isn't just about medicine. Sometimes encouragement and compassion can go a long way toward physical healing. Second, compassion can provide social healing. Let's look at the woman from that text in Mark again. Notice that Jesus kind of made a spectacle out of her. Among this massive group of people who had squeezed in on him and had touched him, he points her out among the crowd. And that's kind of odd because Jesus often said people after he would heal them not to tell anyone. 
But this time was different, and it was different for a very particular reason. See, we have to understand the culture of the time. Someone with a bleeding disorder like this woman had carried with her a deep societal stigma. Leviticus says that a woman who was bleeding had to live outside the camp or the city. So she couldn't be out in public. She wasn't supposed to interact with anyone. She was supposed to keep her distance. She might have been in the community, but she was not part of the community. Now, there are some legitimate health reasons for that kind of separation, particularly in an era of, uh, early in biblical history where there's not medical supervision or a medical profession at all, really. But Jesus recognized what this meant to this woman at this time. She actually risked bodily harm by joining the crowd that day. She could have been taken away and beaten or stoned for being there. But she was desperate for healing, so desperate to be restored to the community. And so when she hears that Jesus is coming by, she decides this is her chance. Afterward, when she touches Jesus, that moment that is depicted in that picture that I described to you, Jesus calls her back because he not only wants her to know that she's okay and that he's okay with what she did, he wants the crowd to know that this person who's been an outcast for so long is no longer supposed to be shunned or marginalized. In effect, Jesus is telling everyone around him to spread the word that this person whose society has rejected is now clean. She shouldn't be rejected anymore. She should be welcomed into the community. Jesus showed compassion. We can show compassion. And by doing so out in the open, like Jesus did, we can help restore people to community. The third type of compassion and the way that it helps with healing is through spiritual healing. Dr. Ronan Tynan wrote a book titled Halfway Home, My Life Till Now that highlights his accomplishments and perseverance. This is an amazing man. He's won many awards for many different disciplines. Let me give you a few. For his singing, athletics, horsemanship, medicine, and writing. And he did all of those things despite being born with a serious lower limb malady. He spent most of the first three years of his life in the hospital, and if I understand it correctly, both legs were amputated at the age of 20. So how was this man so successful? Well, he, in that memoir, credits his friends, his teachers, and his family, but he especially credits his father. He said his father gave him unconditional love, constantly showed him affection, gave him affirmation, and he always, always gave him encouragement letting him know that he could do whatever he was trying to do at that time. In fact, Tynan said his father's encouragement provided him with the spiritual healing he needed each and every day that he faced a challenge and felt like quitting. Who do you know that needs encouragement? Who might you provide some compassionate words of affirmation today? Now, I'm not talking about fake words here. I'm talking genuine encouragement, that you believe in them and that you're rooting for them. I think we're all capable of showing that kind of compassion. We just have to remember it and take advantage of the opportunities when they come about. I want to pause right there. Let's check in with Richard Randolph and pick up on our discussion, this time about compassion. Joining me again in this episode is 
Reverend Dr. Richard uh, Randolph. I didn't get the doctor in there last time. Oh, please. Uh, PhD. Um, but uh, he's been joining, he's going to join me for this uh, sermon series, episode series of, of uh, the ark. And what do we want to take with us on the ark that we build metaphorically for ourselves? And then once we get where we're going, what do we want to unpack with us? Uh, last time we talked about spiritual strength. Uh, this time we're going to talk about compassion and how that's such a key element as Christians uh, that we have that, that component as, as part of our belief system. The scripture we have for this episode is Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. It's the story of the uh, hemorrhaging woman who um, uh, had such drive and was, quite, quite frankly, uh, desperate uh, for healing that she works her way into a crowd and touches Jesus. And instead of being mad at her, he immediately shows compassion for her condition and does a few things in that interaction to further show compassion to her in the society around her. Um, so let's start off like we did last time. So your your take on this passage as somebody who's probably preached this more than more than a few times. Right. Uh, what are some of the key takeaways? Um, so for me, it's important to understand the the context uh, of this story. So in in Jewish law at the time, a woman who um, uh, was having uh, her period was considered ritually unclean and was sort of banished from. Uh, the synagogue, but also in many ways in her own home. And so she was, uh, she was marginalized. And so a woman who's um, had sort of an, an unstoppable uh, uh, period um, was permanently uh, marginalized. Um, and so that's why it was, in part, why it was so important for her to get healed. It was only through that physical healing that she would be able to rejoin her, her, her community, her, her spiritual community. Uh, I was going to say, she basically was living among people, but cast aside. Right. Um, she couldn't go to the market. Nope. Uh, she wasn't allowed to gather with other groups. Um, she really was on her own. In, in, in the time of the tabernacle, she would have been cast outside the camp. Right. Um, so, I mean, that I guess the only benefit is she did get to live in town, but she might as well not have been uh, for, for what she had to endure. Right. Uh, I think it's really interesting that when, uh, when Jesus feels, he says he felt power leave him, mm-hmm. not that he had a, a, a finite amount of power. Uh, that's not what we're saying here. But it's interesting that he took note of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the disciples, the way that he interacts, is a great. This is a great image I have in my head. So, of course, all these people are crowding in on Jesus and they're pushing him. And Jesus said, "Who touched me?" And the disciples are like, "What do you mean? Everybody's touching you. I mean, this is a mob." Exactly. And uh, and then Jesus pauses and he actually makes a point to point out the woman. And what I think is fascinating about that is he's not doing it to ostracize her. No. But he is doing it to draw attention to her. Because what he's really trying to teach the people around is this woman, he's trying to make a statement. She's healed now. Mm-hmm. This woman that you know has been unclean for 12 years, mm-hmm. you don't have to treat her this way anymore because now she is, under Levitical law, she is clean She's now. Clean. 
Right. Um, I just think that's a powerful statement that Jesus took that extra effort. Right. I think it's the most one of the most powerful stories in the in the Gospels about Jesus. Yeah. There's a there's a photo that I will attach to the show notes for this. Um, when you go to the Holy Land in Magdala, uh, there is a chapel there dedicated to the women of Scripture, mm-hmm. and there are pillars with women's names on it. There's one without a name that's meant to be for all women of today that, mm-hmm. that, that are followers of Christ. But you go down these stone stairs to a basement area, and there is a mural, I don't know, I'm guessing 30 feet long, is of feet. But there's this one finger reaching through to touch a cloak, and there's a little star where it's touching. And it's meant to be the, to pick the moment when the woman touches, touches. Jesus' robe, yeah. and she's made clean. and. When you first walk down, you're like, that's a big toe. What is this? What the heck is this? Uh, but I tell you, it's so powerful that uh, I don't remember if it was for our anniversary or my wife's uh, birthday. I can't remember now why, but I bought that and had it shipped from England or from England, from Israel. Yeah. Uh, and it's it hangs in our mu- in our music room. Mm. Uh, it was it was so powerful for both of us to have seen that and to have just had that moment. You know, that's because that's probably the way it was. A woman was not working her way through this mob. She probably had to get plow quickly enough to get in, and then she probably had to kind of dive for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for that's yeah. probably just the way it worked. Um, it's just a powerful image, but the story is really powerful for me. Um, compassion. Where do you see it fitting in uh, as far as followers of Christ and how how important that is for us? Well, I think it's essential for. Uh, the life of being a disciple, a true disciple. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of uh, story here. Um, so I'm ordained in the United Methodist Church, and uh, as part of that or- ordination uh, process, the bishop asked candidates for ordination, um, do you believe you're, uh, are you striving for perfection? And that's uh, perfection in that case is uh, the interpretation of John Wesley, uh, who believed that uh, based on his study of Scripture, and I, I think he's right on this, that uh, although we will always be fallible human beings who make mistakes, uh, we can become perfected in love, which means that we're so filled with love in our hearts that all that we do, all that we say, all that we decide is driven out of love for God and for others. And uh, so when you're being ordained, you have to say, yeah, I'm striving for perfection. And sometimes it gets sort of a a chuckle. Um, But uh, I've been ordained now for over over 40 years. And so uh, last fall, I... I began to think about that vow that I'd taken <laughs> and uh, decided that um, I needed to become intentional about growing in perfection and love. So I'm still trying to figure out how to do that, how to be intentional. Um, part of it is in the journaling. I can talk about, you know, sometime when I responded to someone with imperfection, in love for them, in compassion, compassion for them, uh, or how I failed to do that. So um, one of my big challenges is uh, driving, especially in the city or on the interstate, 
to be perfect in love in that situation. So when somebody cuts me off, you know, well, that clearly I have to put on brakes. Clearly, that person's a bad driver, and I need to let them know what a bad <laughs> driver they are. So I, uh, you know, I'll sit on my horn or maybe make some physical gesture. So what I'm trying to do now as part of my way of becoming perfect in faith is to not do that. But now, folks that don't have the context of Lincoln, Nebraska, you need to understand there are medians everywhere, so you can't turn left. And then there are no thoroughfares here. Everything runs through like residential neighborhoods, um, and so there is no bypass or anything. Um, so tempers can run high <laughs> when people are in a hurry, especially getting from one airtown to the other. And especially when it's snowed. Yeah, yeah. I think people just sort of get more tense. But at any rate, what I've been one of the ways I've been trying to do that is to imagine why that person did that. So maybe they had a bad day at work. They got yelled at by their boss. Maybe their their marriage is crumbling. Maybe they don't feel good. Um, maybe they're really worried about their child. Uh, and so you know, I try I, I try to instead of projecting. Uh, incompetence on the other person as a driver, I try to think about what may be going through their mind because I've cut people off and I had a perfectly good reason for doing that. Uh, in fact, I cut somebody off a few days ago. They got really mad at me. But um, trying, instead of getting angry, trying to just imagine what's going on for them. It's the idea of empathy. Um, you know, what might this person's scenario be? Yeah. Because you're right, we all we all do it at some point. So the, the driving thing is actually an excellent example, I think, because we've all done it. Um, we don't mean to yep. in most cases, but it well, happens. Well, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Yeah. Sometimes we do. But um, sometimes we don't. And, and that's, well, we do and, because and, we feel like we have to, I think. At least oh, there you in, go. in Lincoln, we have to. Um, Pick yeah. your shot and go right now. And, yep. In my the, the time I'm thinking about, there was an accident. It was a t two lanes, and there was an accident in my lane, and I needed to get over to avoid the accident. And the person was just not being not helping. So I, that's an example of how. And I'm still struggling with how do you how do you actually grow in love? I mean, Wesley was a meth was a, um, very much into method and systems. And so I just think it's only appropriate that I develop some sort of system for measuring my growth and perfection and love, but I haven't come to it yet. Still working on that. If you figure that out, make sure you share. Okay, you got that. Thanks for joining me on this episode of In Layman's Terms. I hope you all enjoyed my discussion with Richard. I'm happy to say that he'll be back with me next time as well. Until then, let's all try our best to practice compassion as Jesus did and pack it along with us on our life journey, on our own metaphorical art, as we navigate the storms of life. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, 
please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.